Brilliant. Right. Should we get started? Let's do it, man. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, myself and George today are going to be talking about gaining phases and cutting phases. We're going to go through kind of the realities of both these things. So I think a lot of the a lot of the time, a lot of the fitness industry focuses on these kind of cutting phases and, and really kind of getting people absolutely shredded, which is fantastic. Like I think, you know, taking people from a place where they're very unhappy to where they want to be is an amazing kind of process um, to go through. And it's very well covered, but there is also a lot of the other stuff that is kind of goes, you know, flies under the radar, isn't covered enough. Um, and then especially when you come out of a dieting phase, going into more of a, you know, a muscle growth phase and a gaining phase, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get covered there. So we kind of just want to cover on, uh, touch on that today, cover it over, sort of see, see what we can kind of, um, you know, maybe uncover. I've said it cover about 10 times, see what we can uncover and kind of just I suppose give a bit more awareness to people who are maybe in a cutting phase or even have just finished a cut and are going into a gaining phase, what to expect, what kind of struggles you're going to face and how to get around them. Um, I think we're going to kind of jump in, first of all, and talk about a couple of little clips that we've we've got. One of them, obviously, um, very recently, we've had the um, the Chris Rock. We'll put it up on the screen here if you're watching this. If you're listening, you will have seen it. But um, the, the Chris Rock, Will Smith slap, I think, is very... Um, you know, prevalent at the moment, and it's a it's a big thing. What was your first impression when you saw that? Oh man, I just to be honest, like it sounds a bit harsh, but I, it almost like didn't surprise me. I feel like you know, Will Smith's had obviously quite a lot of stuff happening in his personal life lately, and mm. to be honest, I just felt a bit sorry for the bloke. Like uh, a lot of people were saying, "Oh, you know, is is it real? Is it scripted?" And straight away, I was like, "Nah, nah, you, you wouldn't." You know, I I can't imagine that would be anything that you would you know come up with in script. And I think that. Fair play to Chris Rock. I think he he very much took it on the chin or on the cheek or however you want to say it. He very much <laughs> took it on the yeah. chin. Yeah. Well, um, no, he, he took it on the chin. He, what was his initial reaction? He was like, oh, man, Will Smith just, Will Smith just smacked the shit, the shit out, out, of out of me. Yeah. yeah. And and then it was sort of like the way that Will Smith then sat down and repeated himself twice. And everyone was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, yeah. That was the point, wasn't it? Where you, you were like, oh, okay, that could have been, could it have been fake? Because was it real? Like, what, what was it? Was it yeah. kind of, but I think there was two things that like, when you first watched it, you were like, oh, is this fake? Like, is like, I think even Chris Rock saw that. He was walking up to him and he was like, oh, shit, what's going on here? And then just boosh. And you were like, oh, fuck, that was like a, there was some power in that. And then you always think, well, you know, Will Smith's an actor. Chris Rock's done a bit of acting. Is it like maybe a pulled slap? And again, I, I was like, oh, is, that, is that it? And then, like you said, when he sat down, you could see there was like genuine, anger in him and like you know he was yeah. pissed off but i thought was mad was like before that happened he was laughing he was laughing at the joke he was like this is it, himself man. and then obviously that bit that you didn't see it on camera was the the crux he must have turned to jada and just been like oh shit <laughs> i gotta do something here <laughs> it's fucked man it's like have you seen seen the picture of um i think there's a picture of i want to say it's jay-z and they him and him and beyonce were at like an nba game and Oh, was it Jay-Z or was it David Beckham? I think there's two different ones. There's but two. I know exactly like, what it is on their phones. Yeah. yeah. It's like, she sort of like looks over and he like looks really guilty. And then it's Jay-Z's basically like set up an Instagram page and then within a week he deleted it. It just makes you wonder, doesn't it? Like you never know what's going on behind closed doors, but. Women, um, women controlling, controlling those relationships, wearing the pants, aren't they, at the end of the day? Yeah, man. They're not happy. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just, to be honest, I think when it comes to comedy, like you, you just got to, you know, t take it at face value. Like at the end of the day, co comedy is at times going to be a little bit like on a knife's edge. I mean, you see how uh, the way Jimmy Carr is, you know, I know yeah. personally know people that have gone to like Jimmy Carr gigs 
and um, they've seen people walking out halfway through because they're offended. And then afterwards, people come up to them and nudge them and be like, oh my God, mate, that was hilarious. I can't believe, you know, my, my wife hated it, but so. Yeah, you yeah. see you see this a lot with comedy as well. Like people mm -hmm. go to comedy gigs and they sit down and they paid to go see someone. They know who they're going to see. They'll go see like a Jimmy Carr or someone who's like, you know, famously a bit offensive. And then they'll yeah. get offended halfway through and like they'll do a heckle and just be like, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. And you'll be like, what the fuck did you think? Like you paid the money to come here. What, what did you think you were going to see? But yeah. it's just, it, it can go a bit off, off on that track, I think. And I mean, I, I'm under the personal belief. I don't think there is anything you shouldn't joke about. And I, I, my belief for that is because I think it's such like a healing thing with comedy. Like if you can laugh about something, it can, as long as the subject isn't being attacked for like a you know a, like a malicious reason if you're kind of joking along around a subject i think that's a big mistake people make nowadays is they a, a joke is made around any subject and then they take offense to it just because it's around the subject rather than the subject being the you know the the attack of the joke or whatever it is it's like it's it's badly um you know i think we live in a bit of a society where that's yeah been thrown about a bit too much now I wonder why, like, what, what was the, is it, is it antithesis, the, the word I'm looking for? What was, you know, what, what's kick-started this? You know, society in general now seem to be a lot more offended or a lot more, uh, I don't know if it's coming from, you know, now people are seeing stuff more on social media and we're, we're able to sort of put our opinions out there a lot more because it's so easy just to sort of like see a story and then suddenly you have everyone's opinions on it. Or I, I don't know what it is that started that. I think that's you've touched on something really good there because I think with like it's like woke culture, isn't it? And it, everyone's trying to. I think there's a couple of things playing playing come into play. So you got that whole kind of quote of you know tough times make hard men, hard men make easy times, easy times make you know weak men, weak men make hard times. And I think there is a there is an element of that. Like if you go back in the past of eighty years or so, we are kind of come around to that thing where this is probably one of the best times to ever have been alive ever. Like as much as there's some horrible stuff going on in the world, like the reality is, is like the, the world we live in right now is probably the easiest way that we have ever lived, you know, ever, ever. Um, and I think there's an, a level of that. You've got a lot of people who have been born into sort of a lot of comfort and they haven't had to sort of struggle with, with certain things, which I think is, you know, a big factor in there. But I think you've also got this thing, like you said, with social media, it, it's almost like a, a self-fueling fire. Like you've got these people who are, you know, showing they, that they are, you know, virtue signaling about something. They come in, they say, hey, look at this. Like, I'm really good because I care about this. And if you don't care about it, then you're, you know, you're a piece of shit. And then yeah. you, you get other people see that and they're like, well, I don't want to be a piece of shit. I want to like, I want to support this too. So then you get all these people like starting to support movements and things like that. And I don't think a lot of people even read into a lot of the stuff they are supporting uh, half the time. Um, I don't know if that's, well, it's not a good thing, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't support it, but at least like understand what you're supporting, but then it's just kind of fueling and fueling. So now we're in this position where there's a lot of people who will just jump onto something because not because they maybe fully agree with it or don't disagree with it or whatever, but they just don't want to be in that group of people who are, you know, ostracized and, and, and kicked to the fringes when you don't agree with something. And then there's also like, you know, cancel culture at the moment, I think so, yeah. so kind of um, rife. It's just, it's, it, it, it doesn't really work. Like, so we're in this kind of weird bubble at the minute. And I think it is maybe going to get a bit worse before it gets better. I think I do. I do think that, but there's a there's a great stat I heard. It's like it's about 
80% of the tweets, again, these numbers might not be 100%, but it's roughly these 80% of the tweets you see on Twitter are made by, I think it's either 10 or 20% of the accounts. So wow. you've got the 20 or 10 or 20% of the accounts are making the most noise on, on that, on that uh, sort of Twitter sphere. And generally, I think when people make a lot of noise, they are people with very strong opinions. They seem to be people on the extremes. So when you jump on social media, you've got this really loud noise from a very small bunch of people. And that very small bunch of people typically seem to be at the extreme. So you come into this position where everything you're getting fed is just like this extreme view from one side or the other. And you kind of, yeah. there's, there's almost no... There's no, I don't think, I don't think a lot of people are happy being like on the, on the edge in society nowadays, you look at a topic and you can't just be like halfway between the two. It's like, you have to pick your group and stick with it. And I just think that's part of the issue. It's, it's such a complex, that could be a podcast on its own really, couldn't it? It's like yeah. such a complex issue. And this um, is the thing. I think when, yeah. when it's sort of like comes to social media, I think that it's so easy to forget the fact that technically your social media page is however, which way you've built it, you know, you follow the people that you follow, you've decided yeah. the accounts that you're going to be sort of like engaging with. And something that I used to do, which I've now stopped doing entirely is if I saw an account that was repeatedly posting stuff that I didn't agree with, or that pissed me off or anything like that, I'd be like, oh, so I'm following them. But whereas now I'm making a bit more of a conscious effort to be like, well, actually, you know, it's, it's not, let me remain following them, you know, just because I've been triggered by a certain thing or pissed off by a certain thing, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. And I think that if, oh. if one, if there's one thing that sort of COVID's taught me is the fact that well, I, I definitely feel a lot more open-minded off the back of it because you're seeing so many different opinions about so many different, you know, scenarios going on in the world. It's it's, it's quite valuable being able to sort of step back, take that 10,000 foot view and sort of, you know, look at look at it as a whole and think, you know, why do I need to make it a decisive thing on this? And I don't know if you've sort of seen from the way that I sort of like post my stories on my page is that I generally, generally won't share news. I won't share stuff about war i won't really share stuff about covid because I, I don't know if it's i wouldn't necessarily from like naivety but for me like i want to the way that i've had to like see it in my brain is i just want to come to my page spread some positivity engage with some people have yeah. a bit of a laugh have a bit of a joke and i've almost like created oh, i don't even know if this would be the right word it's almost like a bit of a safe space for people just to log, log on and sort of know where they're going to be at with that if you know what i mean yeah, um, which is kind of nice because I spend so much of my time on Instagram anyway, and so so do other coaches. And, and if you think like if you're going to be spending a lot of time on your phone and on social media and engaging in these things, then uh, you know at least I, well, I guess it boils back to the whole thing, doesn't it? If 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 the uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? If it if you're too hot, get out of the kitchen. Is that the phrase I'm looking for? Yeah. Um, it's, that's not the even the right phrase. Can't stand it? the heat. Get out, heat. get out of the kitchen, boy. Now what's the, what is the phrase? Is you uh, can't stand the heat. Get out of the kitchen. Yeah. That's the one. That's the mm -hmm. one. And, you know, sometimes I will do that. Uh, yeah. Very occasionally I'll go, you know what? I'm just not even going to look at my phone today and I'll just turn my phone off for eight hours. And it's nice because like we spoke about in another podcast, it gets you a bit more back to being in tune with yourself as a human being and actually mm -hmm. talking to people as opposed to being like, let me look at what's going on on the news. Let me look at what's going on here. What Do you know what I mean? So I think it can uh, certainly encapsulate a big space in the brain if you allow it to. It's yeah. I mean, especially like you're saying, what, what we do, it's you spend a, you know, we spend a lot of time on Instagram more than the average person I think would do because, you know, a lot of our work go, we, we post them on Instagram for work and things like that. And we have to, you know, you get a lot of people message you and you have to reply to them and things like that. So that's, that's a part of it. And I think what you're saying before about th that's an, another part of that problem of where people really kind of get into these tribes of just, this is the only belief I can hold is, it's you choose who you follow 
so you start following certain things and then an algorithm starts pushing the same kind of message towards you. And all of a sudden you have a very curated feed specifically around one point of view and it attacks the other point of view. And I've, yeah. I've, I've seen different, like my, some of my friends feeds and kind of had a look on their phones and stuff and just said, Oh, can I have like a scroll through your Instagram or your TikTok or whatever? And you just notice how, okay, well they've watched 30 seconds this video and they've liked this video. This just means that all they're going to get is these stupid videos. Other people's are really political. Other people's are all about a very specific topic like gym and stuff like that. And you end up in this, like this weird space where it's like a bubble of like a, you know, self kind of self, uh, what's it called? Confirmation bias. Like you are basically just pumping yourself up all the time and being like, yeah, 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 this, this agrees with my viewpoint. And I think doing what you're saying, like sometimes finding things that you disagree with is just as important because at least you can kind of understand, all right, I don't agree with that, but why does someone think that? Because what's to say that I'm actually hundred percent right. Some of the, sometime you have an opinion and there's plenty of times in my life I've had an opinion and quite a strong opinion on something. And then over the years, I've kind of seen something new. I've experienced something from a different point of view. All of a sudden, you view it from the complete opposite side and you're like, Oh, that's very interesting. Like, I think that's a very important thing is maybe even actively seek, seek out things that, you know, go against you and, and don't get angry at them. If you, if you see them, it's not, it, people get very hit up about like, you know, someone, someone else having an opinion at the end of the day, it's an opinion and you can go, cool. All right. I don't agree with that. And you can have a discussion, but people just go straight to just oof, cut, cut them down and cutthroat kind of approaches. But it's, um, it's a difficult one. I think that's, it's, it's kind of mad. Like, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, a bit of a detour from Will Smith crap slapping Chris Rock, but I suppose it's, uh, it's, it's all part of that kind of ecosphere, isn't it? Cause it was so highly covered in the, in the media. Another one we've, uh, another clip we've got from this week. Now, I don't know if you've seen this one. I'm going to share them screen because um, this is a bit of a, a bit of a mud one still. Um, this, can you see the screen here? Yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. This is a bloke. So this bloke was, uh, let's drag our faces up here. So this bloke was uh, training in the gym and someone he had been friendly with for like a few years, apparently, or something, something like that. He'd been friendly with this guy for a, a good while. And well, we'll play it through. So this, this is bloke, a live reaction. I've actually not seen this. So. Yeah, okay. You're watching this guy walking in now, carrying a weight. Okay, dark. Well, all right. Uh... Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. What so, the Jeez. 20 kilo um, plate or a dumbbell there he hits him on the head with. Oh, what, wow. It's like the piss takers. Obviously, number one, that's fucking hard. <sighs> that alone, if you just drop oh. that, is, is bad enough. But yeah. second of all, like, you ever he, drop like a 20 kilo plate on your toe, like, oh, he throws it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you come here, he, he throws it at him, like, he bash on the head. Oh, that, that could kill you, first of all. But the second thing, right? He's not tripped over anything. And then he yeah. fakes an injury here. He's like, oh, my knee, do you know what I mean? And he gets up and kind of walks off. So the, this, this video is like, it's been doing the rounds. I, I think it's not as recent now, but it's been doing the rounds. And um, the bloke sort of feigns an injury and stuff. And then he's, they had like a, a long court hearing about it and they were talking about it and stuff. And this guy kept just going, no, no, it was an accident. Up until like the last few weeks of the case, they were like, oh, we've got footage. And he was like, oh shit. Like, and oh, he, and they didn't realize he had foot. So this whole time he was just going, no, no, it was an accident, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. um, yeah. and then he's just, they got the footage of it. And it's like, it's clear. He just, he just for no reason throws this, this uh, plate on this guy. It's just crazy. And there's, there was no, apparently there was no provocation for it. They were pretty friendly beforehand. And 
That's fucked, eh? That's fucked. Is he just like, is he just like a, a psycho? Like he's got something going on, you know, that's not been discussed or that's just I'm like, mad. I, honestly, I haven't read too much more into it, but yeah, it's like, you know, that's I mean, I've seen extreme yeah, gym jealousy, isn't it? I've, I've seen arguments in the gym, but, but nothing like that. I, I think the worst argument I ever saw in the gym was probably at King's gym. There was, uh, two or three guys and then another, another two or three guys trying to get the same set of dumbbells yeah and one of them threw a two and a half kilo plate at the other one and one of the gym owners had to like hold him back this is like middle of king's gym two three o'clock in the afternoon Shit. there was a good like eight nine people sort of jumping in and pulling each other off and i was like damn man i just <laughs> uh, a lot of testosterone everyone you know blood's flowing i'm trying to fucking yeah. not kill myself underneath my bench I'd, oh mate it was it was savage but uh Wow, that is. Uh, I hope the guy's okay. Did, did they? I think he's alright. I think he's. Um, I think he is okay off the back of it. I can't remember. I haven't fully read into this, but I just remember seeing this video and I was like, shit. But yeah, some something yeah. fucked up going on there. Um, yeah, the, the guy that did the weight should have been. Ah, oh, just doing a drop set, you know, just from, uh... <laughs> literally a drop set. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's. Yeah, I mean, wow. it's. It's. I've not seen anything. I can really remember. I've seen people arguing a bit. The wor- the only the worst thing I've experienced. I was in my uni gym and we were using a machine. And this bloke mm. came up and was like, "You have you got any more sets on this?" And me and my mate were using it. We're like, "Yeah, we've got like two more left." And then he and then he got like in a huff and like walked off. And I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" He came back over like between we were swapping between sets. Like I got up and my friend was sitting down and he just yeah. sat down on the machine and started using it. I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" I said, "Mate, we've got one set left. Like we'll be done like you know, two minutes. Like just." we're almost done and this guy i think like his mate was like i'm so sorry about this guy blah 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 and i think he was like coked up or something he was on something like he wasn't acting normal at all so like he started doing his set and i just took one of the weights off the side and he like proper ticked off and i was like he's just (laughs) acting like such a little chump like but yeah i've never i've never seen violence like that king's gym as well that's it's just shut down isn't it yeah just shut down moving it down the road they've been bought out by uh, amazon so basically they've got like an amazon Mm. warehouse obviously amazon's bought it it's a shame because it's a a, a cracking place but from what i've heard from the the king's gym manager they've got like a bigger facility that i've already seen they've got a few new pieces of kit so uh yeah i'm excited to see what they what they bring it's um it's it's meant that i've had to train like legit three different gyms this week moving back and forth it's not far is it from the the original yeah, I think it's literally like two or three roads sort of like along, like around the corner. So it shouldn't be. It could be a nice refresh. Sometimes things like yeah. that, like you think, fuck's sake, like you've, because King's Gym, like that's, that's one of the sort of more famous ones in the UK for like atmosphere and, you know, see yeah. a lot of like bodybuilders going there. And you see, like, if you jump on YouTube, you see tons of videos, but it could be a nice, like, welcome refresh. Like you said, they got new, some new kit. If they've been bought out by Amazon, I would imagine they've got, you know, a bit of dollar to spend as well now. So, yeah. Could be could be a nice refresh, new kit, new, you know what I mean? Like a, a new new place could be could be decent. Yeah, so um we've kind of gone through those videos. I think I think trying to go through like a little bit of kind of current things as well makes it um a little bit more interesting because there's obviously some mad shit goes on. Like that Will Smith one, like when I woke up in the morning, I was just like, fuck's sake, like straight away, like notification, I was like, this is gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on yeah. here? <laughs> um, but we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about um dieting phases and gaining phases and we're not going to talk about kind of like oh how do you do it what you doing blah 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 but we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of the reality of both of those situations like we said in the intro um i think a lot of people underestimate both of them i think and there's and and especially gaining phases there isn't enough coverage for 
for that if you've been in a, a cutting phase you know the the two mindsets are almost very kind of polar opposites in in terms of how you approach them a little bit and um you know i've i've seen a couple of my clients right now who've who've got a bit of a head wobble in in the gaining phase just off the back of it and it's been something i'm trying to be like supporting them through so it's one of the reasons i wanted to do this this uh topic today um but also i think it's just good to cover i hope you can't um hit someone's grinding or drilling something outside um but yeah well let's let's jump into it let's touch on to a cutting phase so obviously both you're right now going through a cutting phase as well so this is kind of quite good for 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 this uh my last kind of big cut where i was pushing quite hard was last august so just under a year ago um yeah i think i think a lot of the the hardship of that is a mental battle when you're in a when you're in the cutting phase it's not actually like the techniques and the the tactics aren't, you know, they're not mad. They're not magic. They're not like, you're not going and doing anything that you're just like, Oh shit. Like I never thought you'd ever have to do this. It's the basics. It's rinse and repeat in the basics, but it's, I think it's the mental game that you, you have to fight through and there's stuff you face. Like um, obviously hunger's a, hunger's a big one. We all know that, you know, hunger is unavoidable in a dieting phase, but you can minimize that hunger through choices you make and how you approach it. Um and feeling smaller, I think, are two of the, the big the big ones. So when when people are kind of dieting down, one of the typical things we get to, like, especially if I've got someone on a shoot prep or something, we get them to a point um, around not close to their shoot, but not too far out of the shoot, like a midpoint. And people say, I just feel skinny. I don't feel like I've got any definition. I think what's happening here is you're at this kind of middle point. It's like the, it's like the awkward point when someone grows out their hair or grows a beard. You've got that in-between stage you're used to looking in the mirror and feeling physically bigger because you've got this layer of fat over all your muscles. Your arms look bigger, you know, your shirts fit and you can like stick your fingers in the, in the sides and they're like nice and tight. And I don't know what you were going to say, stick your fingers in then. I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> a couple of, couple of places, but everything's just like, um, you know, you're bigger, you're bigger physically because you've got this kind of sheath of fat around everything. Um, and when you get to this middle point, you haven't got that definition yet. And you haven't got the size that you had and you were used to. So you're in this kind of middle point where you just couldn't kind of in your own head. I think there is a, a you know, a touch of maybe not body dysmorphia, because I think that can be a real problem for some people. But I think there's a touch of something similar where you're kind of like, oh, fuck, everything I've worked hard for. I've lost. I've lost size. Um, there's no definition. I look like, you know, I just look like I'm in this really awkward stage. And it's just about pushing through that. That's one of the biggest things I say to people is like, you're going to hit this awkward stage and it happens to everyone. And when you're dieting down, you want to make sure that if you can push through it, you are going to get to the other end because the other end, you start to see that definition come through and you actually look bigger than when you were like, you know, at your bulkiest kind of thing, because you've got this definition, all these muscles that you had hidden under like a, a layer of fat start to show up and kind of, you know, pop through and you're like, Oh fuck, like things start coming. Um, and you you start to look physically bigger the leaner you get and it seems like counterintuitive because you're losing size from fat mass um but you look bigger and you feel bigger and you're like oh fuck but the the difference comes where you know you might put clothes on and you don't feel like you fill those clothes out as much anymore that's that's one of the bigger ones i think people people face as well yeah definitely mate i, I think that you know like you said it's quite ironic because obviously whether you're going through a dieting phase or you're going through like a muscle building phase mm oftentimes of course and we would of course we would we would be focusing a lot on like extrinsic factors so like you said you get to that midpoint and you're looking for definition you're looking at the way that your sort of arms are filling out shirts or maybe like your bums filling out jeans or whatever it may be 
And it's very, very easy in those moments to have like a bit of a bit of a wobble and think, right, should I be pushing the other way? You know, am I getting too skinny? You know, do do I really want to like fully commit to this? And I think in those moments, and this is why I like to get super, super clear with any of my clients when they first start out is digging a little bit deeper into those intrinsic factors. Sure. And that's a perfect example right now, sort of during this prep for myself, where of course, the, the sort of byproduct or, the, or the, the end goal of this is I'm going to be leaner. I'm going to have a lot more definition. You know, my body fat, fat levels are going to be lower. You know, you're going to be able to see sort of like abs and, and definition for the arms and all that sort of stuff. But for me, like I always wanted to have like a, a deeper purpose and a deeper reason. And, you know, that is really the things that are going to push you through those harder training sessions or through those little blocks of time where you are feeling a little bit skinnier, but also you've still got that, that level of body fat. And I think that's, that's sort of really important to, 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 to dig into in those darker moments, whether it be the push up or whether it be the pull down. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, and getting clear on that and then having support on that is so, so vital. And like you said, with your clients, you know, I've certainly had, clients that have had struggles going both ways as well you know that they'll be halfway through a diet and like oh you know my, my arms aren't quite filling out my tops like they used to and it's almost like when you're at your leanest you'll look you know in your mind you may be oh my god I, you know i'm feeling super confident on the beach i'm looking fantastic like this is awesome and then you put a top on you're like oh no I'm, I'm a bit skinnier than i'd like to be i now want to gain up and it's almost like the it's almost like the grass is always greener on the other side yeah. and there's always yeah. like something that you want to be aiming to achieve and i think i guess that's that's the beauty of the process is that there's always going to be things that you can go away and work on there's always going to be sort of like another goal or a next target or a next phase so to speak but yeah yeah i think i think that's a, a big one as well as what you said there's the intrinsic factors so that what that made me think of was um <coughs> pardon me what that made me think of was you know number one is is kind of having that reason why you're trying to get from you know point a to point b is because if you don't know why if you don't understand the the deeper reasons behind it, other than, you know, oh, I just want to lose fat. Oh, I just want to have abs. Well, why do you want to have abs? Why do you want to lose fat? Why do you want to get to this po like this point specifically? If you don't understand that, you will face these kind of struggle points and you'll face face these mental wobbles. And you kind of, a lot of people will quit out. They'll be like, oh, this, what's the point? Because I'm, I'm losing all this. I'm losing all that. Like, I, I don't understand. They don't understand why they're going through this kind of hardship. It's just, you know, almost self-torture for, for no reason, right? So, I think yeah. people face that and it's, you know, getting really deep down on those intrinsic factors, a big one, like why do you want to lose fat? Is it because you don't feel confident? If you don't feel confident, that's a fantastic reason. You know that pushing through this and getting to that point is going to give you more confidence and that every week that you make progress, you're going to feel more and more confident with who you are and, and what you're doing. Is it a case that you, your why is like, you really want to compete, you know, competitively on a, on a bodybuilding stage. Amazing. If that's your, if that's your like reason for doing something, maybe even go a level deeper. Why do you want to compete on that? Like, what are you trying to kind of fulfill there and, and do in, on that front? So knowing why you're doing something is a, is a massive one, but you can kind of almost flip that on its head um, and say, well, this, th these intrinsic factors behind anything we do is essentially, you know, the reason we are either successful or not successful with a lot of stuff. So, the reason like people are overweight people say well yeah they've eaten too much they've overconsumed calories for a long time yes like technically that is the the thing that is you know they've done that for too long they've overconsumed calories for a long period of time they've gained weight over time but the deeper reason below that is why is someone overeating because people don't just overeat for the sake of overeating now yes we have we are in a place where you know the the kind of food industry has you know for the past however long decades has been you know 
perfectly engineering these perfect balances of chemicals and fats and carbs and sugars so that when you pop it in your head, your brain just goes dopamine explosion. You're just like, yes, more like these hyper, hyper palatable foods. For me, it's something like a Kellogg's Rice crispy Bar. Oh my God, if I have one of them, I could eat a trillion in a row. But it's yeah. you're competing with this, which is one thing. And then a lot of people, I think a lot of the reason some people, okay, maybe not everyone, but I think a lot of people do struggle with gaining weight and struggling to strip it off is because um, there's like an emotional trigger behind that. And there's, that's why they sort of turn to food. So it could be, for example, you are in an unhappy relationship. You don't enjoy it. You know, you've always getting abuse or you always just, you just don't feel happy. You're stressed out about it. Or maybe it's that you go to work and you hate the job that you work at and you feel like it goes against all your morals and values. And you always have arguments with your boss and he's just a complete dick to you. And you come home and you feel stressed and upset all these things that cause those those feelings we a lot of people will turn to food off the back of it and this isn't us sitting here like high and mighty because we will do this too i i know 100 percent i do it and it's when i'm frustrated and one of the best things i've ever done is kind of like be very aware of that when i get frustrated i've there's amount of times i've been like in the pantry and like had my hand like deep in a snack box and been like why am i doing this like i'm not hungry why am i why am i why am i why am i like grabbing like a handful of like crisps or whatever it is and when I think a bit deeper, I go, oh, well, I'm frustrated. Right. Why am I frustrated? Oh, well, I had that, co- that call with, you know, blah, blah. And they said something that wound me up or, you know, something didn't go the way I expected it to or whatever it is. And you kind of break it down and then you go, is me eating this food going to solve the problem? No, I'm going to still be stressed after eating again. I might get that kind of spike of dopamine and I'll feel good for a little period of time, which is why we turn to these things. We kind of habitually feel a bit better off the back of it. And once you've done it once, it builds and builds. But you end up in a position where um, if you attack it at the root cause, you go back and go, okay, that frustrated me. Why did that frustrate me? Or why am I stressed? Oh, because I didn't get that bit of work done. So if I go and actually go and do that bit of work that's stressing me out, is that going to actually solve this at its root? And I think that's important for a lot of people to do as a baseline. But if you are really trying to diet down and get lean, you need to understand these kind of factors that are going to you know, limit you in some capacity because if you're working a very stressful job and your your solution is to always turn to food and then you binge or overeat, then there is a there is a something going wrong in that kind of cycle that you need to kind of nip in the bud or, or figure out how to work better around. And whether you can do that yourself or you need to seek you know help from a professional, whatever the kind of solution is, it needs to be addressed because otherwise you're never going to be kind of you're always just putting like a band-aid on a bullet wound you're not actually attacking the root cause of the issue i think totally man and i think a lot of that like you were saying there boils down to that sort of self-awareness to sort of understand that you know perfect example i have a client that is like quite new to the, the coaching team actually and he said to me every single day when i walk home from work i walk past a, a company i think it's called like donut time they do like really nice donuts because like, i walk past there every single every single um sort of like evening after i finish work and if i'm a bit peckish if i quite a stressful day i find it extremely hard to sort of not stop there he'll often stop he'll get a donut so it's almost like the the cue mm. the craving you then have the response to that particular craving then you get a reward off the back of it so his cue is he's left work and he's stressed He's then having a craving because he's seen the donut stand and you think, well, I've left work, I'm stressed, I've had a long, busy day, I'm now going to grab a donut. He grabs that donut, he gets a reward for it. And in his mind, without even realizing it, because our brain will always find a shortcut to something or an easier yeah. way to sort of manage the thing so that we can, you know, don't have so much of an allostatic load and so that we can just function on a day-to-day basis. Our brains will then say, right, when I finish work and when I'm hungry and when I'm stressed, that means donut. 
and you won't even think about it. Yeah. So I think sometimes it does take being a little bit more self-aware, taking a step back from the scenario and thinking, right, how can I best solve this? You know, I'm feeling stressed. Is food going to sort this stress? No, it's not. Let me sit with this particular emotion for 10 minutes, which is, which is fucking hard. It's, it's hard to sit with how you feel for 10 minutes because mm. we are, we've created a society where everybody wants everything quicker. You know, we can't, it's, it's very, very, very difficult nowadays to feel lonely or feel stressed or feel emotional or feel angry and mm. not immediately go, right, let me pick up my phone. Let me scroll through Instagram. Let me look at TikTok. Let me put on a film. Let me put on Netflix. Uh, you know, oh, I feel lonely. Fuck it. I'm going to go on Tinder and I'm going to start swiping across or yeah, I feel hungry. I'm going to go on. Yeah, I feel hungry. I'm going to go on Uber Eats. And I think that because we are a society that craves that quick response and craves that quick win so much, it really, really does pay a hell of a lot of dividends just to take a bit of a step back from that and slow down. And I think that that really sort of, that was another thing I was going to talk on there. That was it. That's thing I was going to say is it's almost like you're paying into your uh, like bank account or into like a building society or a savings account every single time that you prioritize tomorrow's goals for yeah. the day's wants. You know, yeah. tomorrow's goals being gaining more muscle you know, uh, driving up your body weight or driving down body fat or whatever, whatever the bigger goal may be. So for me right now, I'm sat here, it's quarter past four, I ate my last meal one hour ago because mm. I'm on prep, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> but I know if I can put that, if I can put that hunger to the back of my head for the next few hours and just crack on with my day as I usually would do. And then when it gets to that next meal at half past six, seven o'clock, as long as I can focus on doing what needs to be done now, in six weeks from now, when I'm sitting in front of the camera at my photo shoot prep, I know that I would have done everything I needed to do yeah. in order to get yeah. there. And yes, it meant sacrifice and yes, it meant pain, but that's the short-term sacrifice for that long-term goal. There's, there's some very good points in there that I want to kind of touch on um, a little bit more. First of all, when we talk, I just want to kind of explain as well, if, if anyone has heard allostatic load, sorry, hasn't heard of allostatic load, we're basically talking about kind of stress and kind of finding the, the optimal amount of stress. You get too much you can burn out. If you get too little, you can be like demotivated kind of thing. So there is stress isn't necessarily a bad thing, but we're talking about all stress. So we're talking about, you know, there is a level of stress that you need from, for example, for me, when I used to do my uni work, there was when stress was low because the time period was really long before the submission date, stress was super low. There was no motivation to do anything. I'd get a little bit done here or there, but it was that last two, three weeks where I really that stress kind of peaked and it was like in the perfect spot where I just be like boom 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 and get things done every single day all the time um it can be the stress you place on yourself physically in the gym it can be the stress you put yourself under mentally from going through hard processes so that's out of static load the the good point you put there and I think is really important in both these gaining and and cutting phases is that point of delayed gratification and what you're saying about this kind of society where we always want things instantly now again it's conditioning you've been conditioned we've all been conditioned into this point by now just because of the world we live in it's hard it's very hard to avoid it is really really hard um to avoid if you have a tiktok account you will know that it's just doosh, doosh, doosh. it's just oh, about right. yeah. you know constant dopamine or like you said uber eats and one of the ones i think people really struggle with and i i invite a lot of people to trial this is um, unless you have like a medical condition that is probably like diabetes or something or that maybe isn't a good idea, but um, with like low blood sugar. But if you feel hungry, just sit with it. You're not going to die. You've had your last, when was your last meal? An hour ago. You're not going to die. 
you could sit yeah. you could literally sit here till tomorrow and you, you're not gonna you're not gonna die like you're gonna if you've eaten enough you've had enough food you're a bit hungry you've still got bo- stored body fat on you so you're gonna you know you're gonna get through it um just want to follow that up if anyone does do this and die i am not a medical expert and that is not medical <laughs> advice but, but you know you know what my point is like you know people yeah. you can you can go for a long period of time without food really and totally. i think a lot of people will feel an ounce of hunger and they're like i need food fucking right this second yeah, man. you don't you don't you don't there's there's a lot of times where you can kind of get used to it and just go okay and if you can learn to get comfortable with that discomfort you will be far more successful in where you want to be whether it's a cutting phase whether it's a gaining phase you have to get comfortable with that level of discomfort you have to get comfortable with delayed gratification and you have to get comfortable with going through the process even if you're not seeing the results that you want right now you know that that process is going to take you there. I was going to say, look at Ramadan. You know, I've got a handful of clients right now that are fasting all day. No, no fluids, no food. Perfect. Yeah. And people, you know, that are, I mean, I, I understand it and I do have empathy for it. And I, I get what it feels like because I've gone through many a diet myself. And when a client says to me, oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty hungry. We usually go, right, let's, let's look at your food structure. Let's look at your actual, you know, where are you placing those meals? How are they looking? But like we say, there is going to be a point within that diet where you're just going to be fucking hungry. And when someone says, oh, I'm starving, it's like, I I always, I'll always lead with empathy. And I'll always lead with, you know, I understand yeah. how you feel. Let's see if we can deal with this the best possible way. But there does become a point where you almost have to embrace that suck. You almost have to embrace that suck. And if we completely flip, flip that on its head a second, and we obviously we've spoken a lot about dieting here, but when you are pushing that that body weight up, you know, if you're, and I particularly find this, isn't, and this isn't me just saying you are this and you are this, but this is just mm. what I found from working with probably like a few hundred clients that particularly with females, particularly with females is that when you take a female through their first sort of push up in body weight, it's fucking scary yeah. because you've done all of this dieting, you've dropped lots of body fat, you're lean, you can see more definition. And then suddenly someone's saying, right, we're going to flip the switch. And it can almost feel like you're undoing that hard work, but I've got a handful of clients or female clients in particular right now that have, or male clients as well, but um, just focused on this one particular client, Candice. We did a photo shoot prep in May of last year. Mm. And after May, we've had June all the way through to February. Where are we now? Yeah, June all the way through to February of gaining. And there were two months where she was very uncomfortable with her body fat levels and she was very uncomfortable with her body weight. But I'm like, look, although right now it can feel tempting to feel a bit because you've gained body fat, you're stronger, your lifts have gone up in the gym, your energy's improved, your recovery's improved, you're, you know, you're able to have a lot more flexibility of your social life, you know, your injuries have subsided because you've actually put yourself through a surplus, you know, you're hip thrusting, RDLing, leg pressing, uh, rowing, more weight than you've ever done in your entire life. Like, there are so many fucking positives to come out of the fact that you've allowed yourself to push up that body weight. And I was like, and I promise you, when we diet down, we'll be able to see that new muscle. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah you know, I get that, but mm. And now that we're dieting down, we're nine, we're nine weeks out from her photo shoot. And her girlfriend has actually messaged me separately and said, George, you're a wizard. She's like, her glutes have doubled in size. I can't stop looking at her ass. And I was like, <laughs> things like that make it worthwhile because yeah. sometimes, like you say, you have to pay into that bank of tomorrow. Knowing today you're going to have less money. The less money is, oh my God, I'm going to gain a bit of body fat. But yeah. if you can save that for tomorrow. The savings account. Geez, that's when suddenly you really start to see those results. So this, this is, uh, I think, yeah, when you go, you transition from your dieting phase into sort of a more gaining phase, there's a couple of things, like you said, it feels like you're undoing this hard work and we've, I've, 
myself got a couple of clients as well going through this process now of, of gaining yeah. and I think one of the most important factors, in fact, this isn't even just in a gaining phase. This is across the board. If you are so fixated on body fat percentage and the weight that appears on the scale, you are forever going to be unhappy. You're never going to be happy with where you are. You're never going to be content. You are always going to be upset because you could always be leaner or you could always be bigger or you could always have you know a higher number on the scale or a lower number on the scale. It's such, just to, for any, uh, there will be people listening to this who understand this. There'll be people who listen to this who have never really, um, never really thought about this concept before. But the number that shows up on the scale, for example, when you step on the scale, that is everything in and on your body. So that includes bone mass, that includes muscle mass, fat mass, organs, tissue, like tissues, hair. If you're wearing boxes, it includes that. If you haven't gone for a piss and a shit beforehand, it includes that piss and shit. If you are more yeah. hydrated than normal, then it's going to include that water weight. If you are less hydrated than normal, then it's going to drop weight. If you have consumed more salt than normal, you're going to retain more water. If you've consumed less salt than normal, then you're probably going to hold on to um you're gonna lose, uh, hold on to less water because your body wants to keep in a balance if you are on new medication you might retain more water if you are entering to a certain point of your menstrual cycle you're probably going to retain or uh, hold on to less water so there's so many fucking factors that play into this the amount of food you've eaten what types of food you've eaten the amount of carbs you've eaten you're going to store it as glycogen is that going to store water with it have you eaten more fiber than normal is that still digesting in your digestive tract the day after because you've had a higher fiber than day than normal have you eaten a higher volume food lower volume but like there's so many things that play into it yeah. and people you don't factor in so when you step on the scale and that number shows that it's gone up or down a little bit yes we want to see that net number trending up or down depending on your goal over time but at the end of the fucking day it is it's one of the it, realistically it's not a very fucking reliable metric of have you made yeah. progress overall and this is where coming in and looking at other goals is so important. So when I put people through a dieting phase um, and cutting them down lean, especially for shoots, one of my biggest focuses, and it's it's one, one thing that I really like about how I coach people is because I make a massive emphasis on hitting specific goals on the way down. Because if you focus only on body weight, then you're, you're going to be re really, really upset. And some people really struggle to, to even when we make that focus on, on goals, they really struggle with that mental switch. And it take, it can literally take weeks and weeks of trying to get them around and focus on it. And then they go a little bit and then they fall back. Whether you're, so when, when I take people through a dieting phase, I make sure that they have goals. Like we've, uh, one of last shoot we did, uh, one of my clients, Mark hit his all time PB deadlift at the leanest he'd been for, I don't know if that's the leanest he's ever been, but he looked fucking shredded on the day of the shoot. And he hit like uh, two weeks before all time PB on deadlift. Like he's, he'd gone, he'd repped his, he'd gone repped, he'd repped higher weight than his one rep max had been previously in a cutting phase for a photo shoot. And having that focus takes away from just, oh shit, like if the scale's going, because I remember him messaging me saying, you know, I can't, I'm not going to weigh myself every week because it's going to throw my head a little bit if, I, if I'm always fixating on that, on that number. But it's the same when you're in a, in a gaining phase because if you're always fixated on that um, number on the scale going up or staying stable or, you know, looking in the mirror and going, oh, I've got a bit of body fat on me. If that's the only metric you're, the only one or two metrics you're tracking, you're going to be very, you're going to be very unhappy because you are likely going to see changes that you're not probably mentally conditioned to, to wanting to see at the moment because you've been in for three months, four months, five months, eight months, a year, however long you've been dieting, you've been conditioning your head to say that weight needs to go down, body fat needs, needs to go down. You make that switch 
and it goes against everything you've just been doing for the last months and, and things that have also made progress for you. So like you said, it feels like you're undoing that hard work. And again, that middle awkward period where you are dieting down and you, it's like growing that beard out or growing your hair out long. And it's, you're in that awkward middle stage. You go back through that on the way back up because you start losing your definition. You're gaining the size again, but you just look, there's a point in the middle where you just look soft and noodly and you're like, Oh fuck, what have I done? And you're like, you have to push through it because there is a level of, if you really want to gain a good amount of muscle. And I think we should, we should talk on this as well. If you want to gain a good amount of muscle, Yes, you can really leanly gain and, and go almost like main gaining, I think they call it now, where you sort of maintain weight and just gain at an extremely slow pace. But if you really want to focus on pushing strength up or pushing your muscle mass up, you're, you're going to have to gain a bit of fat with it. It's You really want to just give your, your body that surplus it, it needs so it has, you know, the, the energy because building muscles are very, you know, energy expensive pro, uh, process to go through. You really want to be fueling your body in the best way possible for that. Totally, man. And you know, one of the most fucking freeing experiences of my entire life was stepping foot in the gym when I was about 15, 16 years old. And for yeah. years, looking at the front of cover, front uh, like covers of magazines, thinking, oh, I want more muscle. I want to be leaner. I want to have a six pack. And going through this constant cycle of three month bulk, three month cut, three month bulk, three month cut. And the most freeing experience I think I've ever had is letting go of that. Probably about, I'd say I fully let go of that maybe about four to five years ago. Yeah. And going on holiday, like sort of mid gaining phase, mid bulk. And for once not saying, oh, well, I've got to get lean. It's like, why do you want to get lean? Oh, well, it's summer. And, and instead thinking more long-term and thinking, right. I, there are so many fucking benefits to me pushing up my body weight right now. And this isn't to say that there's anything wrong with dieting for summer. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And when people bash that, it's like, if someone wants to look lean for summer and someone feels that being leaner for summer is going to make them feel more confident, I 100% back that because I'm yeah. sure, you know, we've all had, I, I know that the fact that it's photo shoot prepping in May, I'm a bit excited. So I'm like, oh, wicked, you know, I'm going to be lean for summer. But having said that, you know, the ability just to focus more so on the process and all of the like benefits that are coming from gaining strength and from gaining body weight and from gaining a little bit of body fat. Like I've actually said to clients in the past, like not to be rude, but in a check-in they're like, Oh, you know, my, uh, let's say they're, they're gaining. They're like, Oh, my body weight hasn't really increased this week. Or if they're losing, Oh, my body weight hasn't gone down to where, where it needs to be. And I'm like, genuinely, that is there as one metric. I don't actually give a fuck how much you weigh. All I give a fuck about is the moving average of what your goal is. Is your goal to build muscle? Yes, it is. Are you getting strong in the gym? Yes, you are. Is your sleep in a good spot? Yes. Is your energy in a good spot? Yes. How are you feeling on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Fucking sick. You know, if you're dieting down, um, oh, okay, I had one week where my body weight stalled entirely. Right, let's look at your photos. Well, you're looking leaner. Let's look at your sleep. That's still in a good spot. You know, how are you feeling? Yeah, I feel great. Okay, fantastic. So I think that when it comes to body weight, like it really is it, like you say, it is literally just one metric. You know, if we can focus more on training performance, focus more on recovery, focus more on sleep, focus more on like the overarching goal, then that is just one metric just to continue to track things. And it's, it's useful because it shows us the moving average of the way in which we're headed, but it's so in the grand scheme of things, it's so uninteresting in the sense that someone's body weight can say exactly the same gaining or cutting, And I may not even make a change because they either look leaner or they're getting stronger or whatever the the overarching goal is. So yeah, I I think it's easy to get caught up on that. And that's why personally I would rather have a client weigh themselves 
every single day because it becomes a habit, becomes something that we do every morning. It removes the emotional um, load behind that particular occasion. And it's not so much of like a slimming world scenario where once a week you step on the scale and if you lost, you celebrate like you've just scored a goal at the World Cup. And if you've yeah. gained, then, oh, you've gained, you've been doing this wrong. And like you said, there's like... About so many factors that could make your weight spike up for that one. Yeah, week. yeah, big time. Yeah, so. is it's. I I wonder if this is uh, this is something I've never thought about, but you, something you said there made me think about this. Was obviously in a dieting phase, you are like we said before, understanding why you're going through a process is important. Hmm. Um, so you t- attach a lot of emotion to you know, I'm going through this process because I want to get leaner because I want to feel more confident. I want to, you know, I want to feel better about myself and happier in in my own skin. And you attach a lot of emotion to that reason why you're doing something. And I think maybe a a big part of, I think maybe a big part of why people maybe go through this phase of, moving into like a gaining phase and not understanding it or feeling a bit, you know, like saying, feel like you're undoing work is because you've attached that emotion to, well, if I move my weight in this direction and body fat goes down, I will therefore feel better about myself and feel more confident. And I don't think a lot of people reset their new reason as why, okay, why am I now going through this part of the process? Why am I going the opposite direction I've just come from? And I think that maybe plays a big factor because if you have attached a lot, a lot of emotion to it and you suddenly start things going backwards, you're like, fuck, I'm, I'm now therefore less happy because that was one of the things I was chasing in, in dropping weight or I'm less confident because that's one of the things I was doing. But I think one of the things we also have to remember within that is, you know, let's say you're someone who you're overweight, you're very overweight and you're not happy with how you look or feel. You didn't consciously gain that weight to get to that point. It wasn't a conscious effort of you, right? I'm gonna gain half a kilo every week. I'm gonna make sure I eat this many calories so that I gain, you know, this much fat mass every week. And I'm not gonna train and do this and that. It's a very unconscious process through many, many months and years to get from point A to point B where you're in that unhappy place. So when you when you get there, you sorry, the process you took to get there wasn't a controlled approach it wasn't an approach where you had a game plan in terms of like oh, i want to get you know overweight and and not feel very confident in my, in my own skin or you know not look how i want to look you are going through a process in an uncontrolled way so then when you go through a cut and then go into that sort of gaining phase and reverse out of it you've got to remember especially if you're working with you know like myself or yourself like as, as a coach we are controlling everything within that to make sure that it isn't uncontrolled and you just start ballooning back up. We are doing this in a very method, method, methodological. Is that the right word? Methodological, methodical, methodical way to, to get you from, okay, this is your new current state where you're leaner and happier. And now you said you wanted to gain muscle or you wanted to gain strength for whatever reason was behind that. Or maybe that was part two of like, we decided, you know, we're going to focus more on the cutting phase first so we can get you to that kind of base state and then move from there. So, you know, when we go through that with clients, we're not just going, oh, well, just gain weight for the sake of it. We're going, we want you to gain weight. We want you to gain a controlled amount of weight. And this is why we're setting your calories at this amount. This is why we're setting this workout structure, this amount of frequency, this amount of rest time, because we want to take you through that process in the most controlled fashion. And maybe so I think maybe maybe sometimes that doesn't translate very well. Maybe 
as as coaches that's something we could we could do better and it, you know obviously that's a good thing to to realize because you always want to be making sure that you are learning and, and improving as a coach if you ever get to that point where you're going a bit off track here but if you ever get to that point where you like oh yeah i'm really good you fucked it i, th- I think so anyway i think you've you've absolutely yeah. fucked it you you've gone you've gone too far down the rabbit hole it's like that sort of um you don't know what you don't know kind of thing and suddenly you're you're in a bad spot yeah i th- i do genuinely think i have so much respect for people and this is something that i've like always tried as best i possibly can since stepping into the coaching industry to be very sort of like open and aware of is that if a client asks me a question i don't know the answer i will just say look i don't know but i'm going to try and find out and that then allows you to sort of learn and to educate but i guess going back to the goals thing you were saying there mate is something that i've certainly switched over the last i don't know if it would be a few months or a few years or whatever it may be but i'm now a lot more likely to set more sort of like process goals so yeah. instead of saying like, and this is a mistake that I made myself when I first started out, you know, when I first started um, coaching or even like when I first started dieting or in the gym, I would say, right, when I lose 10 kilos, I'll be happy. Or when I lose 15 kilos, I'll be happy. Or when I uh, deadlift 140 kilos, I'll be happy. Whereas, uh, and first of all, you know, happiness isn't going to be a destination. It's very much a journey. So I now focus much more on like day-to-day things, but in terms of, sort of overarching goals. I think it's important to have sort of medium and long-term goals. So you know where you're heading and you know sort of like what you're shooting towards and your why and your purpose, et cetera. But if we can break that down into much more manageable chunks, I had a, a perfect example of, of a way in which I've done this. A client messaged me today. She'd only been coached for two weeks and she was feeling very overwhelmed, feeling quite stressed. You know, work had got super, super busy. And her previous struggle was that she would start something for a few weeks and then give up again. So I said, okay, um so you you told me how you're currently feeling what do you, do you know what you're doing for the next few hours she said yeah i do i said okay what are you doing she's like well i've got work for the x amount of hours and i've got a bit of a uh, break here where i'm going to prepare some food da, 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 da. And i was like okay cool so you know what you're doing for the next few hours you know what you're doing for the next day i was like yeah i was like okay all i want you to focus on is today all i want you to focus on is this very small process goal you told me that after work you know you've got a few hours of sunlight once you finish work that is going to be a cue for you to put your shoes on tie your laces and get out the door and you're literally just going to walk 2k steps take you 10 to 15 minutes that's all you're going to do and i think that a lot of people when they realize that oh shit i've got to lose 30 pounds or i've got to lose 40 pounds or you know uh, if we go a, a bit more extreme here we're talking about push up in body weight right i i need to gain five kilos of muscle to be competitive on a stage or you know i need to go through like a year worth of gaining in order to gain the muscle i want to gain and it's easy to look at that year and think oh my god i've got so much work to do or you know how am i ever going to get there it's going to take me forever Mm. whereas if we can just focus on today we can just focus on now we can just focus on the tasks that we need to complete on a day-by-day basis and learn to fall in love with that suddenly the whole experience becomes a lot more enjoyable and that's exactly you know to, to sort of revert back to what i'm currently doing I'm in prep for my first ever photo shoot. I'm literally 45 days out. And it'll be easy for me to be panicking, thinking, oh my God, I've only got 45 days. I've got to get leaner. I've got to drop weight. I've got to do this. I've got to do this. Whereas literally all I'm doing is every morning after I've got out for a walk, which I now go in complete silence and is an absolute game changer. I go for a complete silent walk. I ponder my thoughts for the day. I mentally prepare myself for what I'm going to be doing. And then I sit at my laptop and I go, right, this client's doing this, this client's doing this, this client's doing this. Here's what I'm doing today. And I just focus on that. And if I can focus on that, stress is lower, fulfillment's yeah. higher. I'm enjoying the process. It's a lot stress, a lot more stress-free. And I'm just focusing on ticking those boxes and just loving every second. I really am. It's, it's a much, I find those process goals really do make all the difference. 
So this is something I've I struggled with in the past. Those process goals are, I think, again, I agree. I think it's probably the best way to approach getting from where you are to where you want to be, right? Because we're all going to set goals. That's that's what we aim towards. And, and like I said, one thing that's very important is breaking down that goal into more manageable steps. Like if you've got this mountain in front of you, just like, how am I ever going to conquer this? It's like that Lao Tzu quote, the, the journey of a thousand miles, um, you know, starts with a single step. All you've got to focus on is that one step and then the next step and then the next step. Very small steps add up to huge things, great things, amazing things. But it is just about taking that one step rather than focusing on the entire journey itself. The other thing I think is really something that took has taken me ages to, I, I would say probably only the last couple of years I've really figured this out. When people say, like you're saying there, focus on enjoying the journey more than the, you know, the destination. Because the reality is, is when you hit a goal, like anyone listen to this, think about the last goal you set. Like take a second to just go, right, last goal I set was this, this is the last big goal. And when you reach it, it's not like, yeah, go, okay, I'm happy now. Cool. You never do that. You always go cool. Amazing. Yeah. Brilliant. I'm, you know what? I'm going to go do this now. I'm going to go do that. Like it's just, yeah. it's just, it's just a kind of notch in, you know, it's another notch ticked off and you're like, there you go. It's like when I, when I completed my masters, it was like that. It was just, I got my thing through, got my grades through and I was like, oh, brilliant. Right. Cool. And then I just moved. Like there was, there was nothing else in there. I was like, right on to the next thing. Like just, there was zero, like it was like a brief moment of like, Oh, brilliant. And then like, cool, let's move on. And that's being very goal orientated and driven, which can be fantastic. But if you, if you're only happy when you get to the, the goal, there's going to be long periods of where you're very unhappy and not enjoying the process. When people say enjoy the process, what it is about is rather than looking, let's say you want to learn a skill, right? rather than looking at the the end goal of whatever the skill is so let's say what's the skill i'm learning at the minute um jujitsu jujitsu is perfect there you go so rather than going right i want my black belt that's a fucking long commitment of time to get to it's going to take ages and ages you're going to fail you're going to do well in areas you're going to struggle you're going to have setbacks like you know my knee injury right now is a setback but when I look at that and I go, well, that's so far away. And like right now I've got this knee injury, which is really frustrating. At times I can look at that and I go, oh, it's so fucking frustrating. Like I really want to just kind of get into this and it's stopping me doing this and that. But actually when I take a step back and go, what's the process like enjoying the process of learning and getting better and stuff and, and, and taking those steps. If you can learn to enjoy each of the indiv individual steps rather than, you know, that one single large point in time, that's where you learn to enjoy the process because now I'm in, I'm not enjoying the milestones with it. They are great. Like I'm enjoying those milestones within jujitsu, but I'm actually enjoying when I go to class, like doing something wrong and someone going, Oh, you know what? This is a better way to do it because I know that through getting something wrong or maybe even learning something new, that's me taking another step in, in, in my game. And then there's another get step and another step and another step, even with this knee injury. When I first got it, it was very frustrating. And there's been periods even recently where I've been like, fuck's sake, like really pissed off about it, but there's not much I can do. And actually we were talking about this the other day, actually, I think in, in, in our group chat where sometimes setbacks can actually be really amazing things. And the way that I've taken a step back and looked at this is okay, well, I'm rehabbing my knee and that is part of this journey. And I will, actually learn something off the back of this i will learn that i need more rest time in between you know strength training and jujitsu which i think personally i think was probably one of the the factors in my injury um i will learn you know 
the value of kind of mobility and having that kind of ability to take yourself through specific ranges, which I'd never really been challenged in before I'd done jujitsu, like in, in that way, you're moving in some quite unconventional ways sometimes. So I learned the value of that and going, well, how can I get that in my own training rather than just moving in very straight sort of planes of movement in, you know, moving machines and stuff. How can I incorporate a little bit more, you know, fluidity and functionality within my training? Is it pushing sleds? Is it pulling a sled? Is it, uh, doing stuff like Turkish get-ups and, you know, stuff with a little bit more stability being needed. All these things that I would never have approached before, I can now appreciate a lot more and enjoy the, the process of learning them because I know that rather than the end goal of being this specific belt I want to get to, it's that journey that I'm going through. And every time I do something good or bad, I fuck up or I do well, it's another piece of the puzzle that goes, that works, that doesn't work. And when things don't work or you fail at stuff, that's just as important as when things do work because you find a way that something doesn't work and you go, okay, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And you learn from that and you can teach other people about it or you can, you can apply the, le the learnings and the knowledge you've got from that fuck up to another situation that's similar. And then you can avoid things and you just get better and better. And loving that journey, I think, like you said, it's it's so much more important to enjoy the process and just trust in it and enjoy it rather than I have to be here and that's the only time I'm going to be happy. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting you bring that up, mate, because I was literally just thinking about the WhatsApp chat that we had the other day about, you know, the, the, the sort of things that we'd been through or the, or the experiences that we'd suffered from. And I really do think that if I look back over like the last few years, and it sounds a little bit backward because obviously when you're in this, when you're in the scenario, you would never say this because obviously it doesn't feel great, but... When you look back on it, upon it, some of the things that I've had to sort of like go through the last few years, I'm so fucking grateful for because that the fact that it was tough and the fact that it was difficult and the fact that I had to overcome something may or it makes us who we are. You know, this prep, I think the reason I, I put a story up about this literally about an hour and a half ago. Mm. The reason I'm loving this prep is because it's hard. Do you know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's and I think it's, it's easy in, in the scenario to think, oh, you know, this is hard and I'm hungry and I'd rather eat more food. And da, 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 da. But it's like it teaches you a lot about yourself. It teaches you a lot about, you know, what you are capable of. And, you know, with my uh, with my injuries and stuff like that, uh, I've said to somebody else, who did I say this to? I said this to someone like a few weeks back, uh, that arthritis was the best thing that ever happened to me. That's me like, yeah, that's what I was referring to. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, arthritis was like the best thing that's ever happened to me because um it, it taught me that there well for, for one i had to like look after myself a lot more because if i don't eat well and if i drink too much my ankle goes pew. Yep. but there was like so many other things that came off the back of that and like with the whole covid situation i wouldn't wish covid on anyone again i wouldn't wish covid on the world you know i, I it was the whole scenario and it just continues to be fucking awful but i a few days into the lockdown was like you know what i've got a lot of free time here i could really sort of build something like i could really yeah improve my systems i could be that person that can like be there with like you know for my clients and support them and when i've got like quite a few friends who aren't into coaching but they're sort of into the gym and they see what i'm doing and it's quite nice you know they're praising me so, oh you know you're in a good spot da, da, da. and they're like oh you know had a few a few people have asked me this week how'd you do it and i was like for me it was you see when you see like a, a physique or you see a business or you see a website or you see like Anything that you see, maybe even like on Instagram, think, oh, wow, that looks great. Like it may even be a client transformation. You see that transformation, think that looks awesome. I want that. Mm -hmm. What you don't see back end is the work they had to put in, the commitment, the, the time in which they had to push their body weight to uncomfortable levels, the, the, the dieting they did. And, and that's not to discourage people, but that's just to say that if you can take the good with the bad and understand that through those slightly crappier scenarios, if you can 
like leverage that and I guess have some level of gratitude. It sounds backward, but have some level of gratitude for the crappy days and for the crappy weeks and for the crappy times. Having gratitude for crappy times can make you a much better person. I think from from that there's there is the, this is yeah we this is what we were talking about there and this is why I've, I thought about this then as well. There is I can't remember if it was a study I can't remember if it was like a book I some something somewhere someone's asked this question to people. And people, they ask people with very traumatic experiences in their life. They go, um, you know, this is people who maybe their parents died when they were in their teens, or maybe it's someone who uh, suffered from a really bad illness, or maybe, um, you know, just something bad's happened to them, traumatic, you know, relatively speaking, you know, someone, one person's trauma is someone else is quite resilient to it. It's, it's, it's all, it's all, you know, relative. But the point is, is they asked all these people, they said, look if you could take this and you could it would never happen we take this situation it never happened to you but off the back of that everything you learned from it everything that positive that came out of it even though it was an awful thing you don't get that so anything that you kind of got off the back of this situation you 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 uh you don't have anymore would you still go back and get it and there was people who like lost their parents when they were young they look I, I love this but they said the person i am today is because of you know xyz and i had to fend for myself when i was younger and i you know i was really grateful the time i had with my parents and stuff like that and i i'm the person i am today because of these things and you know i've got the personality i have because of this or some some people had like gone through horrible horrible illnesses and, and diseases and stuff and they come back and said, you know what, before that, I was I was a complete dickhead. And I saw the value in spending time with loved ones and appreciating things and being grateful for the things I do have and, and not putting all my value on, you know, whatever it might have been like, you know, material things. And now I can see the value of time and spending this time doing things and experiencing things. And there was a lot of people like not everyone said it, but there was a, a large, large majority of people came off the back and said, you know what, I don't think I would change anything because it happened and as much as i wish these things didn't happen the positive things that came out of it the even if they didn't seem positive at the time really have like forged my life as it is and the 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 beneficial things that come out of my life at, at the moment i know that you have to take that with a pinch of salt there are going to be situations that are just shit and there's like there's no there probably is no positive out of a lot of things but I think sometimes that that's a very important thing to like you're saying be grateful for something sometimes and, and just understand that you know whatever you're going through i mean it's getting maybe a bit deep for like a dieting and gaining phase but whatever you're going through within that process you know is is it there is a there is an end goal at sight of it and you know if you're trying to bring this back to fitness now if you're sort of struggling through something as well you will learn something about about yourself through that process and whether that's an injury whether that's pushing yourself to uncomfortable levels whether that is putting yourself in an uncomfortable place growth comes out of these places where you are uncomfortable and you're doing something that you're maybe not you know comfortable with or not used to yeah mate i i completely completely agree with that and i think to be honest that's probably a big reason why i'm a coach because yeah. where i'd had like those tougher moments when i was younger it built that resilience and, and put me in a position where i was like right i now feel like from what i've been able to experience i now want to give that back and i think that's why i I'm quite, I feel extremely fortunate that when I, well, doing this prep, being a coach, doing what I do, I feel, and I wouldn't be able to explain it in like a few minutes. I feel, I feel like I could literally do a fucking podcast on it, but I feel like I've got quite a strong why. And that's why yeah. I really do think that when it boils down to, like you said, bringing this back to fitness, 
whatever that goal is, I wouldn't rush into deciding, right, what's the purpose? What's the why? Why are you doing this? Because if you can sort of like mull over that and really get a lot deeper with it, you're going to achieve fucking amazing results off the back of it. Back of it. I had a, a client, Adam, who who's just joined. And I said to him on, on our consult, like I had a feeling he was holding something back. And I was like, I was like, I was like, forget I'm even here. Literally, you can just be like speaking this into a fucking voice note on your own phone. I was like, why is this so important to you right now? You know, what is it that's really made you go, you know what, I need to make a change? And he was like, I've got to a point where I can't play football with my son and it breaks my heart. I, I You know, I've, I've gained this weight. I don't feel confident in my own body, but I want to be able to keep up with my boy. And it's embarrassing when I can't do that. And I'm like, I was like, you're, I was like, you're going to fucking smash this. I know you're going to smash this because when that purpose is that deep and it's like, you know, it's the goal is bigger than yourself. I think that it really does, um, put a hell of a lot of what's the word I'm looking for here it, it puts a lot of strength behind you to 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 push through when you're having those tough moments so yeah the backing yeah I think I think that's very very true and you can it's it, it's quite yeah it is nice when you see people go through these things because you're like there's been there's been times I've had people message me something I've got quite like emotional like, oh my god like fucking like this is amazing like, yeah, yeah. just experience like xyz and you're like fuck but um yeah it can you can get kind of like oh wow that's amazing because you see these other people go through things that you've been maybe trying to learn and, and, and appreciate yourself for a decade and you've you've hope you've hopefully helped people through that um but i think we've gone a little bit off route there with what we're talking about it's all relevant but to kind of like i think maybe start rounding this all up you're going to go through these hard phases in dieting phase you're going to go through these hard phases in a gaining phase it's it's you know that it's i don't think anyone ever is going to go if you're going to take them to like the, the hard levels not if you're just losing a few pounds you probably won't as much but if you're getting very lean let's say you're doing a shoot stepping on stage something like that through that cutting phase there are going to be mental barriers and there's going to be areas where you have a wobble and you're like fuck am i doing the right thing is am i going the right direction you're going to face you know that thing of feeling small but because you've not got the size but you've not got the definition yet you do that again on the reverse when you're gaining back up weight mm-hmm. and you feel like you're undoing work and you've attached all this value and emotions to it and whichever way you're heading again i think one of the biggest mistakes people are making is what we were saying about just attaching too much value to weight and body fat i think a lot a lot of it uh, there's obviously deeper reasons behind it but i think two big things that really just undermine a lot of people's kind of happiness and progress is those those two factors and again yeah. it's again society we live in is conditioned that if you're not lean and you know muscular then you're you're worthless but it's not it's not the case and i think for myself one of the best things i've ever experienced in the last few years has been you know really focusing on performance at the, at, at the moment i'm dieting down but i'm not i was last week going oh, i'm going to do this really aggressively and i thought why I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that for anyone else. Like I'm not doing it for like I'm doing it for everyone else except for myself. Like kind of thing. Like that was a mentality behind it. And I was like, why the fuck am I doing that? There's no, no, there's no reason. So I was like, I'm just going to go at my own pace because actually I'm really enjoying the the performance I've gotten. And even with injury, I would say even with my injury, the things that I can train well and I can put the emphasis on, I'm performing at the best I've ever performed that because I've put that emphasis on the performance and how I feel about you know, the, the process of getting to where I want to be rather than, oh, your body fat's this much or your, I stepped on the scale this morning and it was a kilo up because you had like a burger for dinner last night or you had a couple of drinks and it caused a bit of water retention. So I think yeah. that's, that's kind of 
when we when you're going through these processes, understand there are mental wobbles, but understand to get to that end goal, you have to be a little bit uncomfortable at times. That is where growth happens. That is where growth comes from. If you don't put yourself in these uncomfortable positions, whether that is picking up the weight that you've never picked up before or pushing your body fat or body uh, your body weight to a level that's never been before, whether that's up or down, whether you, you know, fight through a, a, a bit of a head wobble at one point or, you know, you go through these uncomfortable situations. If you don't put yourself through them, then there's no growth that's going to come, come out of it because you're well equipped to handle anything else that is anything less than that. Totally. And I think that, you know, to go off of what you said there, oftentimes the growth we have, whether it be improvement in our physique, but oftentimes the, the, the best growth that we see is, is mentally, you know, just to sort of mm. you know, set, set, the, set the precedent here. If, if you're getting leaner than you've ever got, there are going to be points where you've got fuck all energy, you're tired, yeah. it feels like you're walking through custard, you've got zero <laughs> libido, yeah. you know, you are going to have to sacrifice a few sort of meals, you're going to have to sacrifice some of the food that you really, really love and that you really, really enjoy short term in order to get towards that result. But the byproduct of that is knowing in your heart of hearts, you did everything you could do, you push through, yeah. you got that leaner body composition and now you feel fucking amazing. Same as going, pushing up with body weight. There are going to be times where, particularly for myself, when I lose weight, I lose a lot around my jawline. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, kind of like my jawline. But when I gain weight, jawline goes i look like a fucking hamster i gain body fat i'm not seeing my abs anymore you know i'm noticing that my belly's overhanging a little bit more but i get strong as fuck i feel yeah. amazing i can push my food up my my social flexibility has been pushed up and i think that there are huge 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 benefits waiting on the other side of where you feel quite uncomfortable and i think that that's this is why in my opinion it's so valuable regardless of who you are and this is, to be honest, like, I know I sound biased because I'm a coach, but I'm saying this from someone that's had three coaches. Mm. I really do think that every single person to this would gain so much value, even at one point in your life, even if you did it for six months, of just experiencing what it would feel like to have a coach take that stress away from you. Because yeah. I cannot tell you how many times I've had the conversation with a client, whether they're dieting down and they feel like crap, and I'm like, let's have a talk, or they're pushing up their body weight and they feel like crap. So like, I'm getting, getting fatter. How many times I've been asked to turn around to that person and said, I know right now you feel you're having a bit of a head wobble. I know right now it feels difficult to commit to either this extreme fat loss or this extreme push up in body weight and strength. Yeah. But in several months from now, when we flip the switch and we push you up the other way, you are going to message me and you are going to say, George, I'm so fucking glad I trusted in you because I was able to take away that emotional baggage that I had surrounding that particular occasion or surrounding that particular goal. And now I can see the benefits of doing this. And mm. I said, and when that day comes, I'm going to screenshot this message now and I'm going to screenshot that same one. And I've got, a, I've got a file in my phone where I send them back and go, look, look what we fucking said. And they're like, yeah. George, you're all right. So, and that, that feels awesome. And I think that being able to have someone else in your corner that can take that away, remove oh. that stress and say, it's all good. I've got you. We're here. Let's keep going. You, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. And it's, you, you know, I, I coach plenty of coaches and PTs themselves. You know, yeah. these are people who do what we do for a living. You have a coach. I have, well, I've got a physio, but he's doing my coaching at the moment until I get another coach after my rehab. Why do all these people who do this for a living have coaches? Because we understand the value of taking you from these positions to another position. And it's not because you don't know what you're doing. I think a lot, especially with men, I think you can get this a lot, is there's a lot of ego involved. And it's like, I know how to do this. I know how to lift weights, you know. And then 
they the amount of times I have a conversation I've been like what well, do you know how to do programming they're like yeah yeah and I'm like why have you picked these exercises and what's what why have you done that this order and what's the kind of goal here and they're like oh well you know this is doing chess this is that and I'll be like but why specifically this exercise why have you chose this here and why are you doing you know why have you chose the reps and the sets you're doing here what's what's the focus of this and a lot of people can't actually explain what the 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 design of their session is and the design of their like cycle is and everything like that mm. um so it's not about not knowing stuff it's or sometimes it is sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't it's not about you know knowledge or or anything like that it's just about the value of having someone behind you who isn't as emotionally evolved in that process as you are and having like an objective point of view to be able to say look I know this is what you're going through. I've been through this. Other people are going through this. This is what to expect. This is how to get around it. And like you were saying, I think this is a really good one to touch on as well is dieting periods. You know, what's the reality of when you're getting very lean? Loss of libidos is one of them. Low energy is another one. Lack of flexibility with food. If you are going for the, you know, the very lean phases, there's going to be a point where you can't go out and have beers and, and pizza and stuff like that. And you know, if it's part of the goal, I think it's perfectly warranted. It's a short thing. I don't think it's something people want to do for a long period of time. Yeah. But if, if it's point of like getting to, to a place and it's it's warranted, but it's not a very happy point. Like if your mates are all going out for beers in summer and you're cutting down and getting dice for like a holiday for a week, is it really worth getting that lean for? Or would you be a little bit happier if you could enjoy these things and you were a little bit less lean, but you're able to have those beers? Um yeah what else in dieting down head wobbles is a big one where you're feeling a bit like unsure and you're like shit i need to back out it's like fight or flight you've got hunger is another one like even though like you're saying you last you ate an hour ago and you you're hungry now kind of thing that's a big <laughs> one what else have you got in in the cutting phase that is like a, a a symptom people don't usually think about i think it's almost just like like we were saying about earlier like you, you'll you'll look at yourself in like a completely different light yeah. and you know say oh you know my arm's getting too skinny or this and that and that yeah. and that and it's like just having someone to look at progress photos or to look at your journey objectively and not emotionally and say well actually if we look at the data and if we look at where we've been we're, we're in a great spot here and, and not do the like we've spoken about before press the fuck it button and go oh it's not yeah. working and just give yeah. up so it's just yeah the mental side so i think they're kind of the main ones when you're dieting down i can't off the top of my head i can't think of any more and then gaining phases it's Feeling like you're undoing work, that's a big one. Um, gaining body fat is another one. If you've been shredded, you're you're like, fuck, this feels pretty. It does feel good. Like when you get there, you're like, shit, this does feel good. But yeah, um, gaining body fat from a point where you were very lean, that can be a that can be a big mental. You're like, fuck, like what's happening here? Um, yeah. the shift of focus as well away from going in one direction and changing directions, that can be mentally a bit of a, a struggle um it's almost like putting off today's gratification for the gratification you're going to be inhibiting in months to come from the process you're going through right now yeah like yeah. like i've got i had a client actually who of course you know when it comes to coaching you're at the end of the day you're taking the client through the process that they want to go through so if they want to diet it's like okay let's do it if they want to gain weight it's okay let's do yeah. it but obviously yeah. you're going to have your own sort of squeeze of juice and your own like right i think this would be best for you long term and a good example of that would be i've had a female client that's been in, in her gaining phase now for five months mm. and in month three three and a half like three and a half months and four months and four and a half months every like few weeks she's like should we diet yet should we diet yet should we diet yet and i'm like look we can but you really really said to me that a massive goal for you is you really wanted to like yeah. seriously change your legs seriously change your glutes you wanted to get very strong 
it's important that I remind you of what you've told me and I remind you of that overarching goal. And I think that having someone like that in your corner, just to sort of like, I, I guess, so you just bounce ideas off of, but yeah. Where you're pulling out, that's the point where you're uncomfortable and you're going, fuck, shit, yeah. I, need to, I need to back out. Like I need to hit the ejector button. Yeah, and that, that co- that's one of the things having a coach there is the person who goes, look, we could do that. Yeah, we could, we could, yeah. but this is, this is the peak of where you're comfortable. We're now entering to that point where you're uncomfortable and that's where the growth is going to happen. That's where you're going to see the most benefit. We just need to keep pushing through that. And sometimes having someone to just keep you on the straight and narrow, that's where you're yeah. going to, that's where you're really going to get the benefit out of that and, and kind of see that. But it's, it's either way you're going. It's, it's always, there is always going to be mental struggles. You know, I stepped on the scales the other day and the way it had gone up and I know why it's gone up, what's happened, all that stuff. But there was still a part in my head. I was like, what have I done wrong? What have I fucked up there? And I had to be yeah. like, no, you know this, come on, don't be stupid. And then five minutes later, fine. Yeah. This is the thing. I mean, even with my coach, you know, when I started working with him, obviously I started working with him like halfway through my prep. And by that point, you know, I'd already, I mean, I'm trying to think of like numbers wise. I mean, when I started working with him, I'd already lost about 27 or 28 pounds during this prep because I was going to lose like a fairly significant amount of weight. And we started out and immediately food was up by like 300 calories. Mm. And I had an initial like, fuck, is, is this what I need to do? Like, oh. And it was just having someone else that is like being able to step out of the scenario and be like, look, you're ahead of time. You're leaner than you think you are. You're in a better position than you think you are. You know, you can back off now. It's okay. We're going to give you more food. And initially it was like, oh, but as soon as you can like let go of that and yeah, sure. Ask questions and yeah, sure. Engage and pick their brains and, you know, have that back and forth chat, which I think is really important. But, you know, if I wouldn't have had Christian in my corner, I would have overdieted. I would have been ready too soon. And the, the longer you spend being very lean, the more you risk that, loss of muscle and yeah sure i would have been ready early like I'd, put, put it this way if i wasn't working with christian i'd probably be photo shoot ready four weeks out but then that's spending four weeks being photo shoot ready feeling like shit low energy yeah i would have got to the, the photo shoot over dieted lost the muscle i would have been feeling like crap yeah sure i would have been lean but at what cost whereas having somebody to take that away and be like look actually it's it's just you, you can't beat it and, that, and that's exactly why i think that so many coaches you, you know what i find actually it's quite ironic the best coach i mean uh, this is i'm not saying this because i'm like i'm the best coach the best coaches i see on social media the people that i think are the smartest and the most engaging and putting out the best content you know have a very very good base of information and are very smart individuals they all have coaches or someone helping them every single one literally they do and it's ironic that i see the coaches that are newer in the industry and the yeah. coaches that don't have as much experience as what potentially they could but i mean of course yeah. everyone has not somewhere but it's ironic that those sort of, sort of like newer ones will have that level of naive, naivety that we spoke about earlier of like you must feel like you know everything they'll go why would i need a coach i'm a coach and it's like yeah you don't understand that if you actually just invest you go like oh here's another take on things here's how i could do that here's that. And, and suddenly the world is your oyster because you're just learning so much more from a different process i there's two things you said there one is is that kind of that process and i think i was just doodling there while you said it because i didn't want to cut in by it i i doodled trust your coach and if you do this is if you have a coach if you have a coach and and you trust them and you think they're a good coach their best interest like i i say this to people all the time when they get to head wobble says i say they're like oh i don't know if i'm I'm losing muscle i'm like no you're not losing muscle don't worry like we you're just feeling uh less you're feeling like less physically big because of the body fat dropping but you're not got the definition etc 
your lifts yeah. are going up we're hitting pbs you know you're not losing muscle we're not in that kind of risk in that point this point um that's like a, a common one I'll, I'll face but it's it's in my best interest and it's the same with you, for yourself it's in our best interest to get you from point a to point b not only because it, we enjoy what we do and we really do fucking care that we get you you know the result that you want to get but also if we go like let's let's switch this on a selfish point of view this proves to us that one we can do our job and shows to other people and at the end of the day we run businesses as well and proof in in being able to do something ultimately is what brings new people to us so that we can eat food and do you know what I mean actually stay alive and earn a living yeah. because we love what we do but unless we could prove what we do there's there's nothing in there so it's in our best interest one just because we fucking love it and enjoy it and we want you to get there because we we do care but it's also in there because you know ultimately that is that is proof of our service and proof that we are capable of doing what we tell people that we can do that's a, a, a massive one um what was the last bit you just finished on then you said about coaches oh yeah about having coaches in the industry again mm. fuck it i've the amount of times i posted this on my instagram kind of thing um usain bolt he has a coach yeah every footballer in every football team in the world has a coach Messi and ronaldo have coaches they they're, they're not it's not because they can't do what they're doing it's not because they they aren't like there's a lot of sports people who are better athletes at their specific thing than the coach is or was if they played the sport, but the coach can see the tactics behind it. They can see the, the ideas behind it. They can take your kind of energies and direct them in the right direction for what you're doing. They can objectively look at something rather than, you know, you get someone like a Ronaldo who is from what I understand quite a big ego, you know, from, having watched a few games in the park, like I'm not the biggest football fan, but my understanding is he's someone, you know, he wants the ball. He thinks he's probably the best equipped on the team. He probably is, but yeah. there is an element of team play. And there's an element of like, you know, if he did that all the time, you just give the ball to Ronaldo and he's just poof, poof, up the pitch all the time. Well, what's that? The downside of that? Is he more likely to get injured? Is he going to miss half a season? Is he going to be burnt out and stuff like that? Like, anyone who is really like focusing on getting places has a coach. Even you go to like, the best bodybuilders in the world. If you're really interested, yeah, interested in bodybuilding, every single fucking one of them has a coach. None of them don't have a coach because they see the value in it and they are the best at what they do in the world. Arnold Schwarzenegger, one of the most famous bodybuilders of all time, Ronnie Coleman, both of them had coaches. Like they're not, It's not because they don't know what they're doing and they're not very good at it. It's because of the value that having that support system and objective point of view and handling of worries and struggles and being able to yeah, objectively look at something rather than having emotions invested it is, is going to do. So when you're going through these phases, like you said, George, I think one, investing in a coach can be one of the best things to do. If it's the first time you've done it as well. But secondly, is if you do go down that route, trust them. If you're going to throw your trust into someone, trust them 100%, let them guide you through that process because that is ultimately what they're there to do. And it's in there, both your best interests and theirs to, to go through that process. Tony, man. And, and that's why I say, you know, with people on my page, if they're like looking at my stories, I'm like, look, before you decide to click that link and go, oh, you know, I might inquire, like just research the shit out of people. There are so many good coaches online. I mean, the scenario I'm in at the moment, I've got, I like coach a handful of coaches and there's two in particular. Actually, no, there's two lots of relationships that are both coaches within my coaching experience at the moment that I'm obviously coaching. Yeah. And, you know, those guys have invested in me, in my service, in my knowledge, which is amazing. And I'm like teaching them things and I'm getting like a hell of a lot of fulfillment from doing so. And 
with myself, I've then hired out. I've got a mentor. I've got a coach. Yeah. With my mentor, my mentor has a mentor. With my coach, my yeah. coach yeah. also has a coach. And it's yeah. like it's, it's like yeah. this ladder, isn't it? And it's it's just it really is in in my opinion. And, and this is something that I I don't advise anyone do this because financially it's a stupid decision. But I actually put myself in debt to hire my first coach, which sounds fucking mental. And I remember when I told my mum that, like, I literally almost got chucked out of my house. It was uh, yeah. But yeah. anyway. The, the return on investment from a mental health perspective, from a physical perspective, from a business perspective, from an education everything. perspective. Absolutely like everything just, across the board. Genuinely, genuinely. And I remember I said this to someone, but I, I obviously told him after the call, otherwise he may have gone, oh, actually, I'm going to charge a bit. Like I've, I've said to coaches, if you had have told me that this was double the price, I still would have paid it because I understand. I now yeah. see and understand the value that yeah. much. Um, yeah. But yeah, that was a bit of a ramble. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that if you're sat on the fence about a coach, like legit, try it. And this is coming from someone that's had three coaches over the last. I would also say like, this isn't like a this isn't a a self. It wasn't supposed to turn into no, this. No, no, just... this no, it wasn't. But what I'm what I'm gonna say is if you yeah. listen to this and then go, oh well, they're just trying to you know sell their services. I think both of us would actively tell you go and look at other people that aren't us as well, because the, totally. at the end of the day, you've got to enjoy working with the person you enjoy working with. Oh, you've yeah. got to trust them and you've got to feel like they're the best suited person for you. And if there is someone else out there who is better suited than myself or George, we're not sitting here going, Oh, come, come hire us. Cause ultimately yeah. I think that's a fantastic choice. Amazing. But we're not saying that we're just kind of promoting a value in something that again, not something that we don't even do ourselves. We actively invest in these things ourselves. It's not like we're going, Oh, go use this. We don't actually do it ourselves we are yeah. we've got skin in the game and we do this ourselves as well this is the thing you want to end up with a knight in shining eye a, a knight in shining armor not yeah. some bellend in tinfoil you know yeah. so that's why you do your research <laughs> yeah right i think that's a very good summary of everything we've covered i think we've covered everything obviously feel free to reach out to us i think a good way to finish off this podcast i'm gonna throw you a bit on the spot here um because obviously i've had time to to think about this um but I'll go first. Why don't we jump into something, could be anything, something you've learned recently. What is something you've learned recently? Uh, it can be big, it can be small, it can be anything. Something I have learned recently, um, having gone in for my knee kind of pre-assessment before my surgery, is that you have a negative pressure within your joints and it creates a slight vacuum within those joints. And that is something that when you go and do an operation, you suddenly remove that negative pressure. And I think you create a positive pressure. And therefore, that is something that can contribute to you potentially um, developing, you know, osteoarthritis later on in life is because you've you've interfered with that joint and, and the, the pressure within it. Um, and that pressure can also give you a sense of stability. So something very common when people come out of surgeries, especially with knee surgeries, is that you will feel very unstable on that knee because you've removed that 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 uh, pressure that you had, it, that negative pressure, that vacuum that you kind of thing you had inside the joint. Um, and that can make you feel very unstable for a few weeks, even though your muscle mass has the ability to hold everything in place. You just feel a little bit off and a little bit um, off kilter. But yeah, that's something I learned. I never even thought never even thought about that but um that is something that can you know affect you if you are having some sort of a uh, joint operation that's cool man love that that's that, that's awesome i uh that's that's a tricky question man what have i learned you know what i i listen to like two hours worth of podcast a day and i have so much information going in my brain when as soon as someone's like what have you learned i'm like oh um, <laughs> but <laughs> the first thing i could think of 
would, and to be honest, this isn't necessarily recently, but it's more so something that I've dug into over the last six months. So I'll talk about sure. it. It's just, I guess, the, the positive benefits you can get from certain food groups or certain sort of like fat fats that are going to be uh, positively contributing to brain health. So things like darker than 70% dark chocolate, things like walnuts, the, the clues in how they look, because they look like a brain, uh, antioxidants like berries, blueberries, blueberries are a great example, uh, uh, B12 vitamins, you know, all of these food groups and all of these things, the amazing, amazing, amazing benefit it can have to brain health, because at the end of the day, our brains are, is either 60 or 80. I know it's, our brains are predominantly made of fat. And it's important that we're feeding them these, uh, you know, healthy fatty acids. It's important that we're feeding them things like, you know, uh, getting a sufficient amount of um, HDL, which we can get from like fish or if not yeah. fish, then through, you know, high bioavailable omegas or from krill oil. And I guess, boom, it's there we go. Um, yeah, and I guess touching on that, the it's really easy when you're dieting or gaining or whatever you're doing to get caught up in just macros. And I think that mm. I'm being totally honest with myself, pre-lockdown and everything else, I was getting a bit too caught up in, that's a carb, that's a fat, that's a protein. And I think that something yeah. that I've been learning a lot more recently is obviously the actual nutritional value and the things that go into those particular foods and the benefits. Micros, they're going to kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I guess the thing that I've learned recently is the fact that every single day, I now have 200 grams of berries, like raspberries, strawberries, blueberries, every single day. I have... Um, 80 to 90% dark chocolate every single day because the positive benefits on brain health. And I've now switched from a high strength Omega to krill oil, which is more bioavailable. And it has, personally, I feel like I'm more switched on. I, even in prep, you know, my cognitive function seems to have improved from it. So that's, that's good. Part, so, yeah. So there's, I'm, I want to kind of add a little bit of an addition onto what you said there, because picking the right foods is really important. Um, and something, this is something else I learned maybe not recently, but in the last few years, um, in the UK, we have like a, you know, recommended five a day of fruit and veg. Right. Um, and we think, Oh, is that, is that just because it's healthy? But the reality is actually, um, every, like most governments around the world have different amounts. I think if, if you go to Japan, the recommended intake of fruit and veg is 14 portions worth, right. 14 servings worth. Um, so governments when they set up their like food standards whatever it is whoever um decides like the, the the amount of kind of different things you should be intaking they are actually set off of you know stuff like that where it's like a portion of fruit and veg isn't set off of what is healthy because actually it should be a lot higher it's yeah. set off of what they actually think the population is is actually likely to be able to hit so it was like okay if we go for seven that might be a bit too high but if we go for three we probably get a bit more in there so um yeah that's quite an interesting one as well i think uh definitely looking at the quality of your food going in as well is is always worthwhile yeah totally, yeah man i was trying to get distracted then take a little like photo of my story but <laughs> i've already i already um, did one mate don't worry yeah okay perfect perfect tagged you, dude, tagged <laughs> that was a uh, that was awesome i am gonna have to jump off in a minute yes. because i have i Good have calls. a discovery call i have a discovery Amazing. call okay well thank you very much for everyone uh listening to us waffle and ramble thank and you guys. head off track um myself and george um if you we're going to be this this podcast going to get, get released a couple of places um if you are listening to this on my new podcast get big or dry die trying um then welcome this is going to be the first episode if you are listening to this on mine and george's combo podcast 
which is yet unnamed. We are coming up with a name. Um, also welcome. We're going to be doing a lot more podcasts together. I think we're going to be getting some guests on um, and kind of focus on stuff, some stuff in there. So follow along. We're going to cover as many topics as we can. I think we want to go a little bit more, maybe slight more in depth with stuff. I think in the past we've gone quite yeah. base level. I think we want to take it more interesting, but not, yeah, not too, uh, not too kind of overly sciencey. I think we want to sort of... Yeah go in that like middle ground and, and make things yeah, a little more interesting and also yeah. throw in our own experiences. So thank you very much for listening. Um, really hope to see you on the next podcast. Um, well done for getting through, listening to us for this long. And I hope you're all having a fantastic day. Catching a bit. Bye. I oh, remember everyone, please just remember to live, laugh, love, chilled out, sexy vibes. Peace.